Welcome to Encouraging Truths for Today. We're glad to bring you this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. Now please join us as we learn to grow deeper in our relationship with God and each other. There are basically two ways in which we are troubled. There are times we're troubled outside of us, and there are other times we are troubled inside of us. So today in in Psalm 37, it focuses on when we're troubled from without, when we are troubled from outside of ourselves and it's pressing in and impinging on our being. Next Sunday, our focus will be on Psalm 42 where we're troubled within. The picture today is The psalmist is giving instruction under the inspiration of God how to keep that which troubles you without from troubling you within. I can't think of a more timely message in our day, can you? Uh, We all seem to be troubled. Our very existence has shifted, hasn't it? Uh, What was once normal as abnormal in, in health concerns, immorality being viewed as that which is normal, all of those things outside of us that are shifting and changing in the world can be very troubling and unsetting. And we are troubled by that at times, but the psalmist here gives us great instruction on how to keep from being troubled within by that which is troubling without. And so let's look together at Psalm 37, verses 1 through 8 this morning and focus on do not fret. I remember a song that said, Do not worry, do not fret. The Lord has never failed me yet. And I love the words of George Mueller as we prepare to read. He said to his wife one time, if God fails me this time, it will be the first time. He never fails. Beginning in verse 1 of Psalm 37. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord. And wait patiently for him. Do not fret 
because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Father, we pray that you would bless the reading and the preaching of your word today. Because unless you speak, I have nothing at all to say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So let me ask you a question. How do you respond to uncertainty? Just kind of get that image in your mind. The the last time you responded to uncertainty, or the last time you responded to ungodliness, how do you respond? What what is the reactions that's evoked by uncertainty and ungodliness? Or maybe another question would be, what is your greatest concern and your greatest source of anxiety? And then what is your greatest source of anger? You see, anxiety that is not brought under control turns into anger, doesn't it? That which makes us anxious begins to make us angry. And we are very confused in our emotions at that point. So when we read that phrase, do not fret, it's, it's a little different than just do not be anxious as we're commanded in the New Testament. But here in the Psalm, it's saying do not burn with anger, rage, jealousy, and contention. Think about the last time you watched the news. Did you fret? I did. Those emotions just sprang up in me. I, I began to burn with anger. I began to almost be in a, a rage of, why is that okay? Why are the, the good being punished and the evil being set free? Why are they so wealthy and so powerful? That jealousy and contention, it it just gets evoked when you, you see all the evil around you. That's what the psalmist is talking about. Don't fret, don't waste your emotion on evil people is what he's saying there. Don't, don't waste your emotion on evil people. No matter how anxious you get, no matter how angry you get, no matter how contentious you become, the only person you're changing is you, not them. And you're wasting your emotion is what the psalmist is saying. You've allowed yourself to go into emotional overload over something you have no power over. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they are soon, shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither 
as the green herb. So he begins by saying, do not fret. And haven't you found that when somebody tells you not to fret, you almost are angry with them? But the psalmist goes on, and God pours through his pen the picture of a life that doesn't fret. And it, it marches forth with three very strong words of what you do instead of fretting. First of all, trust in the Lord. Now, here's the picture. You're fretting because of evildoers and wrongdoers. You're living a horizontal life, but then he says, trust in the Lord. Look above them and beyond them and, and trust in him. Isn't that a great shift of focus initially here in the psalm? That's a focus that if you fail to have in your life, you can be devastated and overwhelmed. But here, the psalmist begins by simply saying, in verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good, dwell in the land, feed on his faithfulness, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So the overarching phrase in the first two, the third and fourth verses is trust in the Lord. What does that look like? Well, it means that you do good when evil is out of control around you. Trust in the Lord and do good. One of the earliest lessons that people teach their children is this. Finish this sentence with me. Two wrongs don't make a right. Well, that's true. Trust in the Lord and go get them. No, trust in the Lord and do good. Do good. That's the first step of really trusting God. When you have been fretting about evildoers and you say, God, I trust in you so much that I choose your way over my way, I want to lash out in evil, but I will live by doing good. Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. That's the second reflection of what a, a trust in the Lord looks like. It's someone who does good in spite of the evil around them, it's one who trusts in God's faithfulness. What does that mean? It means you stop trying to be God. You stop trying to stand in judgment and figure it all out. You just trust in his faithfulness in your life. His faithfulness to deal with this in his timing. It's not that you're complacently giving no thought or concern. It, it's you're turning all of that heavenward, and you are trusting in the Lord. You're, you're doing good, and you're resting in his faithfulness. You're trusting in him and feeding on his faithfulness. 
Haven't you found that only his faithfulness is completely filling? The things of the world are so fleeting, aren't they? But the things of God are so filling and fulfilling in our lives. We think, well, if I respond to them by lashing out, I'll feel better. No, you'll feel worse. I remember my dad telling me all the time, son, don't get down on their level. Have you ever done that? I have. It feels horrible. Doesn't help things. Do good and just feed on God's faithfulness. Look to him for your supply of well-being. Look to him for your joy and your hope and your peace. Just feast and feed on his faithfulness. And then it says in verse 4, delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight yourself also in the Lord. That, that means find your joy in the Lord. Let that be the whole thrust and focus of the joy in your heart. Re delight in Him. One of the problems is the lost delight in evil to a greater degree at times than we delight in the Lord. There should be this overwhelming sense of joy that my eternity has been sealed through the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus, that I have been freed from a life of unrighteousness and I've been declared righteous in Christ and he is sanctifying me and changing my character and giving me a desire for the things that really satisfy. I can find great joy in that, not in comparing myself with other people that don't know him, but by simply just rejoicing in the fact that he loved a sinner like me who deserves to be condemned, who deserves to be wandering aimlessly as the world around me, but somehow God's grace reached me. So if I'm delighting in the Lord, that's another expression of trusting in him. Just trusting in him. You know what I found yesterday? We were in a restaurant eating breakfast with our youngest son, Kobe, and Brittany, his wife. And there was somebody else. Oh, Maya was there, our granddaughter. I'm being silly. And Deanne was really the highlight. You know what? I don't know what anybody else looked like in the restaurant, really. I don't know what was going on around me. Because I, I was sitting across from Maya. And I was delighting in her. And every time she said, Grumps, it just brought joy, that relationship. And, and it was like, you know, there were times I'd even forget the other three were at the table. I was just delighting in, in her presence there. When was the last time you just delighted in the Lord? When was the last time I just got so caught up in his presence? I, I, I didn't know what was going on around me, really. I just knew that he was present and near to me, and I, I reached out for that, and I longed for more of it, and I delighted in him. 
and I found joy in him, and I worshiped him, and I thanked him. And other people driving by me thought I was waving or whatever because I was just delighting in the Lord and rejoicing in him. That's what he's talking about. Just, just keep your eyes on him and, and delight in him rather than being discouraged by them. Delight yourself also in the Lord. You see, when you joy in the Lord, you receive the joy of the Lord. He fills you. And then here's the promise. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Why? Because your wanner has been changed. Your desires have been changed. Because when you delight in him, you desire what he wants. You want to please him. You want to honor him. And, and as you delight in him, you, your desires are toward him and toward his kingdom. And I no longer look at the evil around me and think, Lord, would you change them? I, I look at the evil around me and, and, and I delight in his ability to bring good and to bring grace into the most remote lost person on the earth. Because if he could reach me, he can reach anybody. Because I delight in him. I'm captured by his kingdom. I live with a sense of my heavenly citizenship when I delight in him. And therefore, because I'm trusting in him, he trusts me with the desires of my heart because the desires of my heart are the desires that he's placed on my heart. So can he trust you to trust in him? Are you suffering from misplaced trust? Are you trusting in your family and finances or some future something you're desiring? Are you trusting in the Father, delighting and trusting in him. But then the next strong command begins the two verses there, five and six. Commit your way to the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. So trust in the Lord. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Commit your way to the Lord. You know what that, that literally means? It means to, that word commit means to roll off onto. To roll off onto. Like you're, you're carrying a heavy weight and you, you roll it off onto the bed of your pickup. It's a shifting of the burden from one to another. You're, you're rolling off. Now, just picture the release here. We, perhaps we've all experienced this to a deep degree. It means to just roll off all of your care and responsibility to God. Have you come to that place in your life where you trust in him? You, you commit your way to him. You see, when you, you roll off 
to him, that means you, you're, you're giving your future to him. You're committing your way to him. You're committing your direction to him. You're committing those decisions to him, and you're seeking his discernment and his wisdom, and you're rolling it off on him and saying, here's, here's my, my desire, here's my heart, here's what I have before me, here's what's troubling me, and I, I commit it to you, I, I roll it off to you. It's kind of like the day that Deanna and I got married, not that she was rolled off as a burden, but he committed me to her care, her, her to my care. There was a shifting of that, that way. Well, well, here's the picture of shifting it to God. Rolling it off to him. Commit your way to the Lord. Embrace his way as your way. Just hear the words of this. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. The only thing that's tentative in this couple of verses is what we do. The only certainty in those verses is what he shall do. You see that? He's saying, if you commit your way to the Lord... If you trust in him, he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. It's contingent upon our commitment and our trust in the Lord. And so he's saying, do not fret because of evildoers. Trust in the Lord. Commit your way to him. You, you worry about you, or not worry, but you you live your life. You commit that to him. Embrace God's way as your way, and he shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. There's a helpful passage at this point, Proverbs 3, beginning in verse 5. Perhaps you've committed that to memory. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Then it says in verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Now just think about that. Such, such a reflection of what the psalmist says. You trust, don't lean on your own understanding, roll it off onto him, as it says in Psalm 37. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. You know why some people are sick today? That's not the only reason. There are a variety of reasons people are sick. A pandemic, uh, exhaustion, vulnerability, compromised immunity systems. The biggest reason people are sick today is because we live in a lost and broken world. But some people are sick today 
because they're carrying all of this stuff on them that they could roll off onto God. Both of these passages, Proverbs 3 and Psalm 37, refer to your health if you fail to do this. There it says, give rest to your bones. It'll, it'll ease your soul. So trust in the Lord, he says. That's the antidote for fretting. Commit your way to the Lord. And then finally, rest in the Lord. Verses 7 and 8. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. That word rest simply means to be still, silent, or quiet of mind. When it says that God rested on the seventh day, it wasn't that God was exhausted from his creative activity. No way at all. He, he never experiences that. He just became silent, inactive in that creative process of creating. He rested. Just be still and silent and quiet of mind by resting on God and renouncing all self-help and submitting to the will of God, someone says. So are you resting or are you restless? Are you resting in the Lord? Yesterday, as we came back from our trip, Deanne drove home. And I just rested. What does that mean? I didn't have the responsibility of keeping my eyes on the road. I didn't have the responsibility of watching the speed limit. I didn't have the responsibility of watching the other cars or direction signs. I, I just rested there. See, we're all on a journey with God. God doesn't need you to give him directions. God doesn't need you to tell him about your surroundings. He, he knows all about that. You can, but you don't have to. He, he, he knows what's going on. He, he's in control, and, and you can just rest in him on the ride in the journey. Just, just rest. God's got this. What does that look like? I don't know, but I know it's good. It all comes to good in the lives of those who love him and trust him. Are you resting in the Lord or are you restless under the load? But then it's, it's tagged on there, wait patiently for him. Does God always move at your pace? No. But is he always on time? Yes. Is it always what's right? Yes. Is it always what's best? Yes. 
But he says here, just rest in the Lord, but wait patiently for him. If you're going to really rest in him, then you're letting go of the control and you're trusting his timing as well as his character. Just rest in the Lord and trust patiently in him. I love the way someone defines waiting patiently. They say it's the inward gathering of oneself together in hope intently directed toward God. It's the gathering, the inward gathering of oneself together in hope intently directed towards God. But then it goes on and says, cease from anger in verse 8. Cease. Just stop. Just stop. I'm not willing to do this. You probably wouldn't be either, but if I said to my wife, hey, next time I'm angry, would you just get in my face and yell, stop? Well, what's that going to do? It's going to make me more angry. But just hear me. At a time of peace in your life, just stop. Just stop. No. No, don't go there. The Bible says be long to get there and quick to get over it. Ephesians and James, be slow to wrath, James. Be quick to get over it. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Just, just stop, stop, stop. There are times I, I may watch the news and, and Deanne really needs to say, if you throw that shoe at the TV, it's not going to hurt him. You're going to miss him. You're going to mess up the TV. Just stop. Cease from anger. Don't let it go there. Stop the anxiety before it becomes anger. Rest in the Lord. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Just reject it. Run away from it. Abandon it. Desert it. Let go of it. And then in these two verses, you find that phrase once again, do not fret. Why is it repeated there? You're expecting some theological insight. It's because we need to hear it again. That's it. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret... It only causes harm, it says in verse 8. Verse 7, it says, Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because the man who brings wicked scheme, or because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Do not fret. There's something about passages where something is said three times. It's like a completeness. Do not fret. Do not fret. Do not fret. So the final time it says do not fret, it only causes harm. Not anxiety. Completely, it's anxiety plus anger. It's that fretting that burns with 
Anger, rage, jealousy, and contention, remember. Do not fret. It only causes harm. Is your fretting caused inner turmoil in your life? I'm sure it has. It has with me. Has it somehow damaged your trust in the Lord if you give way to it? Yes, it will. Will it begin to affect your relationships? Yes, it will. Here's a good test. If nobody ever asks you how you're doing, it might be because you're fretting and they don't want to hear it. That's not always the case. But when you fret, you can become like the person who can light up a room by leaving it. And we don't want to go there, do we? Do not fret. It only causes harm. So I wondered today, are you suffering from the fallout of fretting? Or are you being built into a godly, strong, secure life of trust, commitment, and resting in the Lord? That's the only way to keep from being emotionally exhausted with the world around you. I love what Hudson Taylor, the great pioneer missionary to China, once said. It matters not what the problem is. It matters where the problem lies. If that problem lies between you and God and pushes you away from him, that's bad. But if you allow that problem to press you into the Lord, that becomes good. Jesus said it this way, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good courage. I have overcome the world. So here's what we're able to do today. We look back at what Christ did for us. He lived in a godless world, didn't he? He lived in the Roman Empire, oppressing the Jewish people. He was crucified on a Roman cross. He experienced the same levels of immorality that we will face. He also embraced all of the sin of all of humanity on that cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He he took it all and he, he died for us and he rose from the grave and now we have great hope because we can live in this world with our eye on the sky knowing Jesus is coming again. And the worst thing that could happen to me on this earth in people's minds would be for me to die. That's the best thing that could happen to me because to be absent from here is to be present there. Isn't that good news? We would like to thank you for joining us for this message from First Baptist Church in Crockett, Texas. First Baptist desires to be a house of prayer with a heart for people making a difference by making disciples from our neighborhood to the nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, please visit www.firstcrockett.org. Until next time.
May God's blessings be upon you.